Hello, listeners. I'm Kathy Fang with Below the Radar, a knowledge democracy podcast. Below the Radar is recorded on the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. On this episode of Below the Radar, our host Anjo Hall is joined by Nini Dongnir, an interdisciplinary choreographer and dancer and assistant professor in dance at SFU's School for the Contemporary Arts. Together, they discuss Nini's training and artistic experiences across Inner Mongolia, Beijing, New York, and now Vancouver. Am and Nini also talk about interdisciplinary collaboration and pedagogy. Enjoy the episode. Hello, welcome to Below the Radar. Delighted that you could join us again this week. We have our special guest, Nini Dongnie, is with us today. Welcome, Nini. Thank you. Thank you, Em. Thank you for having me. wonder if we can begin with you introducing yourself a little bit. Hmm. Uh, hi, I'm Nini Dongnier. I am a choreographer and artist, and I'm currently teaching as an assistant professor at the SFU School of Contemporary Art. I was born in Mongolia, but I've lived and worked in Beijing, New York, and just recently moved to Vancouver. So I'm a new new person for Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Vancouver's a really small town compared to Beijing and New York. Yeah, it's very, um, I feel it's quiet, like you can calm you down, actually, since I land here. You know, the moment I'm landing here in 2021, in October, I feel like, oh, actually, I can relax a little bit. Yeah, yeah I like it. You also landed in the pandemic moment, so it was like particularly sleepy. Yeah, I remember that uh, it's a 2021 October 6th, to be very specific. Um, yeah, I still need to quarantine for two weeks, and I got quarantined at Elspeth's house, like uh, a director of our school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Strange uh, way to land into a faculty uh, in a city. Wondering if you could talk a little bit about. You know, when did you begin dancing? Like, did you just as a baby start dancing around? And how did it all start for you? Okay, really beginning of the beginning. <laughs> uh, okay, I may start dancing from my mom's body, in my mom's body, because my mom is a choreographer, stage director, also dramaturg for the live performance. So... I remember she is mentioned about why she's pregnant and she's still doing like practice and performing like until she had me like six months. So if I say the earliest dancing, I probably started dancing in her body. And what actually how I started dancing is I guess around seven or six. But before that, I always just hanging around as backstage because my mom had performance and directing shows. I'm very familiar with um, backstage of a theater. Mm-hmm. And now I close my eyes and I can still remember the smell and the, the objects and uh, all those props being stored behind the stage and how busy like dancers and performers are. They're walking around. And while I'm started dancing already, I think seven Mm-hmm. Um, very naturally, my family have some friend, their children want to study dance with my mom. So my mom started to open some dance class in her company studio and like five or four kids. And I was a little bit 
overrated that time, and she said, "How about just drawing us to、uh, to move with another kids?"、Uh, that's how it started, and、um, yeah, I would say my very first. Dance language or dance vocabulary or movement language coming from my mother. So she's my first teacher. Yeah. And、uh, and then at what point did you think I want to be a dancer or a choreographer? Were you in your teenage years where you're thinking about doing this in a more serious way?、Mm. I start my professional training in classical forms、um, when I was almost turned to eleven. For dancers, they really want to, you know, like be a、um, professional dancer as a career. Actually, it's not too early. Some of them start training from nine, like professionally. I start from eleven, ten or eleven, and I start training in classical ballet technique as well as in the Mongolian dances, Mongolian dances, also、uh, the Chinese dances. Very. Strong form and very particular form. I started training those. So start from eleven. I started my professional training, but I enjoy dance a lot in terms of like in very early. Like even while I'm as a student, I feel like I like that kind of collective energy. I can share something and release something within a group, but. I think start from day one. I never think I am a. I want to be a dancer, dancer. You know, because I have another interest, and dance is not everything for me.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a long as a practice. It's a core of my practice, but not saying I never think until today. I'm not thinking like I am dancer, dancer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.、Uh, wonder if you could speak to just in terms of like the the cultural. Infrastructure of where you grew up in Inner Mongolia and where you continued your studies in Beijing. What are the kind of、uh, cultural and other supports around dance that you had in terms of facilities, training, all of those kinds of things?、Mm. Yeah,、I'm, I was born in Huhot, Inner Mongolia. Huhot is the capital of Inner Mongolia. Like thirty percent of population are Inner Mongolian, and seventy percent are. Han, or another ethnic group, and、uh, I think my experience for me is, from my standpoint, I feel it's special because my mom are she is very active in the field of dance back home, and so I feel I get a lots of chance to go see shows and not only dance but a lot of folk music. And、uh, my mom's friend, they're poet, and、uh, because she creating, I mean, at that period of time, she creating a lots of work based on actually going to the even smaller town to finding even, for example, she creating a dance based on women's costume of Inner Mongolia, in particular, like a subgroup of Inner Mongolia. So I have a lots of chance to actually have travel. With my mom, to see the folk dances and the folk music and the、um, the found poetry, and as you know, like in the Mongolian, Mongolian have a very strong history in music and instrument, and those things are my cultural influence. And I wasn't 
in a Mongolian school. You know, I'm not a Mongolian speaker. I'm speaking Mandarin, so I went to、uh, Mandarin school. So I would say, yeah, I had a normal education, but I also have sort of like a family, like family time. Like I learned a lot through how my mom work and witness how how she doing things, and even something like you know we have when she visit. I remember she visit an old lady, and she like. Archive like a live archive for the folk song, but she wouldn't sing it for you because she's shy and like not willing to sharing it. And I think just mostly because shy. And I think my mom start drinking a little bit hard liquor with her, <laughs> and、um, my mom start moving a little bit and to be. So there are some. Unspeakable way of like open up the conversation. That's how I learned from my mom, like how she work. Yeah. Then when I was fifteen, almost to sixteen, I went to college in Beijing Dance Academy, and I moved to Beijing by myself. And、uh, I'm okay with that because I start to living like in a more like a boarding school because my、um, middle school, more of like art school. I have to living there with group of friends. And why I moved to Beijing, I feel definitely less supported, but I'm okay with that.、Uh, so I take my college in Beijing Dance Academy. That was very very intensive training period of time. I I did a study. I mean, my main course is constructed by still all those classical forms, ballet techniques, and also in-depth learning the different ethnic group of Chinese dance in a very particular way and a stressful way. <laughs> and、um, yeah, I used to hate it、um, because I feel too competitive, and I feel like I learned a lot of form, but none of form are my language. And I don't know what to do with a form, except that's a thing I need to study, you know. So that's my college. But I would say I have a secret, like a parallel self-study line in parallel of my college time. I did a lot of self-study, like where I start to do lots of reading by myself, and I start to、um, go into all the like underground, like a random. Shows in Beijing, you know, like like secret thing during the weekend, and I start to interesting more of like actually start to interesting theater, contemporary dance, and、uh, something else, you know, like even like visual arts. So yeah, so that's my. I feel like this is my actual interest mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in parallel with my stressful study. <laughs> so at some point you moved to New York. What was the context in which you you moved there?、Mm, um, yeah, I think I think I start to have a drive. Like I want to know,、uh, you know, while do a self study and I start to learning lots of artists work, and、um, I start to searching out Jetson Theater. The group of artists and they're like a dancer, performers, composers, visual artists, and a pedestrian people. They're、uh, doing some experimental forms and really, you know, it's those practice embed in their life. They're not really want to make a big production, big show, but they 
the practice is part of their life. So I really like being drawn into this kind of thing around that time. So I actually started looking for schools or like opportunity if I can go to New York. Then luckily, Beijing Dance Academy that year, the first year, started building kind of uh, collaboration between a school called uh, SUNY Purchase at Upper City New York. It's a very good school that giving education for people who want to be a more of like a performance choreographer or dancer. So, and I'm luckily to have my first mentor, Carol Walker, who think I'm good. And she accepted me to be a visiting scholar. Like I'm not actually a scholar, more like um, practitioner, but my position more like called visiting scholar. And she had me here in SUNY Purchase. So that's how I started. And I really appreciate her in a way that even I'm under the SUNY purchase framework, I did take class there, but I also, I don't feel like I'm fulfillment in the school either. Mm -hmm. So she gave me a lot of freedom, let me uh, do my own thing in the city. So I visit a lot of artist studio and see a lot of show. I remember my first year in New York, like, I see 156, I count a very particular way, show within a year and just live show. And uh, I did a lot of just like a pure like curiosity and interest. I started working with artists in the city. So that's how I moved to New York. Yeah, you've done a lot of collaborations with um, other artists and dancers and others. I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to some of those collaborations and what your collaborative process looks like. Mm, I feel way of collaboration is changing, like really depend on project. So I'm kind of rethinking or like actually the, the way of collaboration is a change. Maybe I think the most recent my collaboration is I have a group of friends, like we're five people. We start from three, now we have five people. We are starting a collective called Noom Collective. So we are choreographer and creative technologist and sound artist. And um, recently we have a friend working with machine learning and we're filming a collective that creating some project we're interested at. So in this collective, I think kind of utopia in a way that is different than all another collaboration. Because I think in another collaboration, even we collaborate and still, because my role always like director or choreographer sort of have a main voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and each person have their role to collaborate and contribute and be open to discussion. But for this particular collective, we try to sort of let everybody play every all the role. It's very time consuming, but also it's a very valuable utopia kind of experience for me because five of us, everyone gonna join the choreographic process and everyone touching on actually coding. Everyone designed the rule of interaction for the performance and with the codified rule of like sketches we made by coding. And everyone gave their opinion about the context, like how we frame the work. So it's extremely like uh, time consuming, 
also a very valuable fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we're not always agree with each other. But for me, it's almost like I talk to my partner. I say it's very utopian in a way that it's like a study group. You know, we meet now over Zoom because four of them right now they're in New York, and we meet over Zoom. We have three or four hours of like brainstorming and actually figure out what's actual. Like sometimes more like grand idea, sometimes a very particular idea, like even one movement or like one image, like how we're working on that. So, yeah, it's different mode of collaboration, I would say. But right now, this collaboration with Newman Collective is my main collaboration right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did a project called Doppelganger. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah, time is interesting. I actually premiered that work. Um, so, you know, I landed in Vancouver. I have a two weeks of residency. And two days later, I fly to New York and start to premiere that show. So we actually work on that piece over Zoom. <laughs> right. You know, we had a rehearsal over Zoom during the pandemic. That is two years project. And it is a live performance. It is really challenging, but we have a, after I fly to New York, we have a 10 day to actually rehearsal in space, but it still feel very tight. Um, so the work itself is, I would say multiple layer for the technical layer or medium layer is we're asking like how one physical body, a solo performer can create a duet and how to create a duet that have very, very crafted composition, uh, my physical body and my doppelganger. And to realize that is we using a live stream camera to capture my performance live. Then goes through this algorithmic way of like, we codify the rule of interaction so what you see on stage is me, myself, dancing with my manipulated image in time. And as last part of the work, we actually apply the, like first time, apply the little bit uh, machine learning model into it, which is um, the camera and the machine is capture my movement, like first 30 minutes of movement. And at the last 10 minutes of a show and I start to releasing and try to categorize different kind of a gesture I did in the previous 30 minutes live. So that is briefly is uh, how the technical side of the work. And for the context of work, it's actually very personal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's Basically, the context is my experience of migrating and living in different places and always feel like I have a parallel life because being many, many years of living in New York and Beijing and I constantly travel and um, I have my partner like around that time at different country with me and I feel like 
while I'm in Beijing and I have something that going on there in another country while I'm in New York, I still have that context of entire big world in, in China that I feel like I have a very complex feeling about time and space. Sometimes I forget where I am and time has become really relative for me because I, I need to communicate with people at midnight or friends there in their morning. So I think it's about my sense of dislocation and my life in constant migration between culture, place, and emotional state, and uh, in a bigger sense that a different context of a different society, as well as like, what does it mean to be present? Because in that work, I'm dancing with me, my doppelganger a few seconds ago, also predict my future. So my image, so there's a different image existent with present me. So I would say like time and space and yeah, like multiple risks. I cannot speak in fully because the work is really heavy to me. Yeah, and, and I guess we also carry the burden of multiple identities simultaneously and trying to reconcile that is uh, in, in many ways an impossible project, but it's something that lives inside you or struggles in so many ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And definitely all those technological concept. Uh, I remember when I just moved to New York, we don't have a main communication like tool. Uh, we don't have WeChat at that time. I remember I still using phone card to call my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and later on, we started having different kind of... That's how you do long distance relationships before. It's like the phone yeah, card and like... <laughs> yeah, right. And later on in... In those years, it's changing and it become like we started having the video call, right? So the sense of distance or like how we feel, I feel like what does it mean to means living at one place? Or am I really living? I don't feel like I'm either Chinese or American or Canadian or in a Mongolian or Beijing or New Yorker. So I feel like everything massaged together. <laughs> and all those history, like movement history, because I've studied different kind of bodily language, you know, from classical form, Chinese dance, modern technique, contemporary technique, postmodern thing, and into a variety of form. Um, and also I went to different places to learn like Korean dance and I'm interested in Indian dance a lot. So, yeah, I feel like they all become part of me. So this doppelganger and me, I don't know, like, unspeakable. It's about identity, about about dislocation, about the complexity of being a person. And there is a scene of, like, I get very emotional. Movement-wise, I get very, very strong energy released into the air, and I'm exactly manipulate a words <laughs> sounds a little cheesy but it's actually it's my experience is like um i always feel serious emotional um i have serious emotional problem when i'm in the airport mm -hmm. because airport become to thing came and go become to a place connecting different location and when i see people hugging and say goodbye they crying 
I feel like I see myself because that's my experience. I always have to constantly say goodbye, say hello to、um, people I love, and、uh, yeah, it's that feeling is really real. So it's very emotional, and I also learn from it. I usually very attached to a place, or a person, or object, and by experiences,、uh, constantly have to say goodbye. And constantly have to encounter new things or different challenge, cultural-wise or individual-wise, all, all those challenges. And, and I, I guess also there's a kind of、um, exhaustion with code switching all yeah, the time, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I start to learning like be more open and、uh, rethinking what a home can be and more trust. To my current feeling in this moment, because nothing I can really control except you know, like this moment, how I exist is. Yeah, so that that work is a learning, also, almost like a summary of my previous life. Nini,、mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about you know, coming into a, a university context and. Becoming an assistant professor, there's this engagement with pedagogy and your students, and it's a really rich, wonderful environment to also kind of build your own practice. But one of the challenges always,、um, of course, in any art faculty, is how one can、um, engage in all the the demands of、uh, a position inside of a university, and at the same time develop their practice and continue with the collaboration that's been going on, which. Already in your context, you're working in multiple places, multiple countries. How have you、uh, sort of managed that capacity to both teach but also to continue to build your own practice? Hmm. I do feel they're connected. Yes, I'm trying to、um, really looking at the composition, like who is actually. In the room, like the individual, like for example, sixteen student in the studio, I'm trying to、um, giving some fundamental tool for art making,、um, not necessarily movement based. Sometimes expand to another media, but I think more important thing is、uh, to learn their trajectory and what's the right tool for them. So I keep this idea of like if I'm doing my work and while I'm doing my work, my sensation is open, and I'm trying to、um, sometimes I even feel too much. But I I try to be very honesty to giving what I actually experience to the student, especially the variety of students. Students are very different, right? Like individually, they're very different. They, for the student like here in、uh, Simon Fraser University. The student body are very diverse, right? They coming from different cultural background, a different coming from different place. So I'm providing the fundamental tool. I'm keeping massage, like the idea of composition, choreography, and how to observe things in very very detailed, how to articulate idea, and how to from a concept to. Developing your concept into your own language. I'm constantly massaging that part, and also I have lots of conversation going on between my practice, my students, their own life, and their contacts, their common contacts they're interested in. So I don't know if I answered your question.、Though. Yeah, yeah, you, you did. Okay,、um, I'm wondering.、Um, 
can you speak to some of the work that you're currently doing or future collaborations? Like what are the kinds of things you're thinking about in terms of the work you'd like to make? What are some of the ideas that you're you're thinking about? Mm, I think I'm overloaded myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and this is also a problem. I have a f- yeah, few projects like actually locate in my mind. Uh, I would say the the main project is a new commission from Shanghai International Dance Center going to premiere in August. It's a work that I'm thinking going to be a four women performer, include me, myself, going to be a construction of four solo work, um, but mainly around the idea of body, movement, and the material extension from body and movement, which means I will want to work with a lots of actual material, like physical material. And I'm also very interesting. Um, this is my question. I feel sometimes I feel like contemporary dance have too much movement. <laughs> and I always ask why, like why you always move? Like why we need that much movement to and actually, I didn't remember anything. So I, I kind of want to using extension of body, which is material, and also body to find me some energy that don't require much of movement, but a strong presence and the actual volume and quality and, and energy of the thing. So each solo going to be one central idea is... Uh, the motion in space. So for example, I'm thinking now I'm still changing, <laughs> but right now I'm thinking first part is the movement of nature phenomena, which is a movement of cloud. How do you embody that? Also how to transfer to another material. And the second is flying silence, which is animals movement. I'm not even thinking this is a bird or something. I don't want to give it specific locate on specific animal, but more of like the energy of like a free motion, uh, the sense of like how animal experience gravity, you know, their sensation going to be very different with human being, right? Because I, I still remember my mom take me to my early years. I spent a lot of time actually lying on, in the grassland and look at the cloud. They're moving in very slow way. But they're like a painting constantly changing. And you feel those clouds right in front of your eye. So when I look at like birds, it's the same. And the third part of solo, it's using by very, I would say like a fundamental form of like how we as human do like uh, move. I want to use walking. So everything generated, the entire solo gonna being generated on close observation of walking and really deconstructed how we walking through the space. And the last work is I want to do a uh, 99 verbs and wishes and um, to my current partner, like <laughs> it's a love story. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I think I'm abstract. Does he, does he know about it? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm afraid to show him. Um, I think I want abstract. Um, 
I mean, love relationship is really sweet, but also sometimes a little sorrow, you know, all this kind of complexity of things. I want to really... Um, I don't know what you're talking about. It's nothing but joy for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I want to abstract to 99 verbs of like, I'm only show each verb once and it's gone. And for me, it's like love. Like you you enjoy that moment, it's gone. I always feel very sorrow about like uh, this moment will gone, you know, and you can never track back. So I think it's a... <laughs> it's a for me it's a memory of like a good love and time and also that is an inner emotional moving so it's also about motion movement mm -hmm. so for motion for movement together it's a whole show and called so i think for now it's called from arranging to vanishing point um means everything gonna go through space and gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, media-wise is more about um, sculptural and body. Mm -hmm. Nini, I was gonna ask you, as you've um, landed in Vancouver in the middle of a, of a pandemic, you've probably had some chance to interact with some local dancers and see at least a, a bit of the, the local dance scene. I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit to your, your thoughts or relationship to the local scene here in Vancouver. Mm, to be honest, I feel I'm still learning. And I'm not so hurry to, to push too hard on this yet, because definitely because my teaching and my current job, I just come to a new program. I have lots of things to learn about School of Contemporary Art, especially the dance program, also in relationship with another different kind of area because I, my work is also very interdisciplinary. And uh, right now I getting contact with the community here more based on interaction with my colleagues. They are the practitioner like uh, of dance performance and visual arts. Uh, song people here in Vancouver. So I think I learned things and even like uh, from Peter, like who is doing, writing a book, used to writing a book about uh, Vancouver dance scene. I think I learned things through people I'm encountering them every day, but I haven't, I haven't shown my work here yet, which is I'm really looking forward because I think what I put my work here is actual the connection or the communication with the community here but so far not yet i hope to after the premiere of my work in shanghai and i have opportunity to bring my work here i know here's a push festival and many great performance space i i want to bring my work here to you know just to share something i did Gabriel, if you're listening as the curator of the Push Festival, just a little <laughs> plug there. Uh, uh, Nini, is there anything else you'd, you'd like to add? Would I like to add? Uh, oh, one thing I want to add. Yeah, anything. I just always ask that as the last question in case, you know, there was something you wanted to say that I didn't ask about. So, I... <laughs> it's... It's my life. I found a new apartment. And <laughs> Vancouver is so expensive. We have to talk about housing. Yeah, it's so expensive. So expensive. 
And I found a super old building at the West End. And I, why I say that, because the building is so old, and but with a character that have hardwood floor and is bigger than all the apartment I've lived in New York. And now I have a studio, like my... <laughs> My studio can can actually Does use. Does the person it. who live under you like hit their hockey stick on the <laughs> roof? Like knock it down up there. I'm on third floor. I'm on top floor. <laughs> it's a low rise building, and uh, I hope not. And uh, yeah, I feel like it's. I'm so lucky. I I have that current studio. So after teaching or before teaching, I have my own quiet moment of like be purely myself and go deeper into my thinking and working process. I remember while I'm living either New York or Beijing, I don't own my own studio. I always either on a residency or renting a studio in a few hours, but I feel very pressure, you know, they give you three hours window and it's hard to get into that zone right away. Right. So if I have my own studio, means I can wasting time in my studio and I can take a nap in my studio. And I feel the lots of good idea coming from the moment or for like a few minutes after you wake up from a nap, you know, because you really relax mm-hmm. and your your mind is very close to to you know your actual thinking versus constantly changing place and feels feels very grounding. So I would say, yeah, if I want to share one thing is have a home studio is absolutely so helpful for artists. So Vancouver, I hope the rent is cheaper uh, that I can rent it for longer. Well, I'm glad you have these <laughs> wonderful thoughts after you. After I take a nap, I need to, I, I'm usually thinking about having a snack. A snack. <laughs> snack. What kind of snack you like? Like it, like cheesies, salt and pepper chips. Okay, I like that too. <laughs> That's neither here nor Can there. Can I share one more thing? Yes, of course. Okay, I I love the food um, here in Vancouver and all the wonderful pastry shops. Oh my God, it's mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, yeah, I love the um, I love the food here and uh, and people here are very. They give you a lot of space, so I don't feel I'm pressure on anything. Uh, I love New York because I live in Beijing and New York are both places are very pushy, you know? <laughs> People want to constantly doing things and non-stoppable. And uh, while I'm in Vancouver, I actually feel that I still have that side of me that I always feel like I'm not work hard enough. I didn't spend, I kind of blame myself. I, I should work harder and do more and I didn't finish my reading today, etc. But I feel the atmosphere actually gave me a new experience to say, also I'm getting older, right? Like it's, uh, I have time to digesting, to tasting an idea or rewriting a piece of paragraph or re-chewing on the texture of movement. So I feel like Vancouver gave me that dimension. I I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, Nini, thank you so much for joining us on Below the Radar. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Below the Radar is a knowledge democracy podcast created by SFU's Van City Office of Community Engagement. 
Thanks for listening to this episode with Nini Dongnir. To learn more about Nini's artistic projects, check out the show notes below. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SFU underscore VOCE to stay up to date on our latest podcast releases and events. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Below the Radar. Thank you.